0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Sports Talk, Unfiltered, Unapologetic with Ryan Alter. Episode one. We're here uh, talking some sports on March 6, 2019. And uh, this has been a long time coming. I'm have uh, I'm 41 years old, Bay Area native, born and raised. And I've wanted to do Sports Talk my whole entire life or be involved with it in some manner, uh, whether it's a broadcast or be on the radio athlete what have you Um, i'm sure there's obviously lots of people out there um that are sitting in that same boat so this is a kind of a dream of mine to talk sports and kind of getting with the times here in 2019 a lot of people are doing podcasts and i decided to make that leap it's actually something that i think um is a great format because there's you know no commercials um No program director telling you what you can and cannot say. So anyway, um, we're going to get into a variety of topics. A lot of it's going to be centered around the NFL. Um, That's personally my favorite sport. It's also most of America's favorite sport. It's what drives advertising, TV ratings, radio, uh, etc. We're going to talk some baseball, some basketball, uh, some mixed martial arts, Um, also some college sports as well. So um, I'm going to dabble a little bit into probably some movies and music every now and then too, maybe a smidge of politics, but I don't want to bog down my show with with any of that uh, malarkey. You know, I'll I'll let the other jabronis out there do that. Anyway, um, it's actually a perfect night to start the pod because in the basketball world, LeBron James has now passed Michael Jordan for third, I believe, on the all-time scoring list um, in NBA history. So that's been a, you know, anytime LeBron James's name comes up to the to the forefront here, it's a huge topic on um, the sports world. There's going to be a lot of journalists, uh, you know, TV media, uh, print media. Uh, internet media in the sports industry that are going to be disappointed when he finally leaves the game. I'm kind of somebody who's not really the biggest LeBron fan. Ten, you tend to, uh, when you're my age in your early 40s, late 30s, you grew up loving Michael Jordan, right? You either loved Michael Jordan or you loved Magic Johnson. You loved those 80s players and it was a different game back then as well. So, I try not to be uh, have that what I call dinosaur mindset where I'm stuck in my generation of, of being a kid where I only focus on those athletes and teams and all that back then. And, you know, all, you know, my things were the greatest, my player, my favorite player was the best one. And, you know, I'm open-minded. I try to evolve with how sports have become. Uh, so I can appreciate LeBron's game. Uh, he's Easily a top five player ever. If we're talking talent, um, you can make the argument he's number one of all time. Um, But a lot more obviously goes into being an athlete, a great athlete, um, and what you've accomplished than just what your talent level is or what your capabilities are. So uh, LeBron, safe to say, has been uh, a great all-around player. I don't personally still don't have him as the greatest all around player ever. Um, it's hard to argue that he isn't, but I still probably have magic Johnson um, in that's in that boat. Um, or I guess leading the ship. So to, so to speak of, of greatest all around players ever. Uh, but LeBron obviously is, is right up there and is deserving of a lot of the accolades he's got. Um, I still feel that, The NBA has problems, okay? And the reason why you don't see people glued to the TV or watching basketball like they used to is because it's not as compelling. And that's just a fact, okay? Because when you go and look up the the Nielsen ratings, the TV ratings, the NBA is getting smacked around by Friends and Everybody Loves Raymond reruns, okay? Okay. The games aren't important. You have 82 games a year. Now, if you left it up to somebody like me to fix their issues with that, which I think I I have a good idea on how to do that, they would laugh in your face and tell you to piss off. Because the bottom line is all sports, like most things in life, are driven by money. That's just how the world works in 2019. You need money to make things go, right? You need money to from your job to pay for your house to pay for your car to pay for whatever you want to do and sports create advertising which is where the big bucks come in so if people are watching your sport or they're listing your sport on the radio or whatever those ads are selling relative to that sport and that's how they're making the majority of their money the problem is is that when you're oversaturated like the NBA has become the past I'd say 10 or 15 years or so. People aren't, they're not jonesing for it, okay? In other words, you look at the Warriors, okay, which is a team in here in my backyard in the Bay Area. They stunk my whole entire life. Now they've gotten to be really, really good. One of the best dynasties, in my opinion, um, ever, just because of the way they play the game, how good they really are, and uh, how much fun they are to watch, and the Warriors. Even though you you know how talented they are, then you know how good they are. They loaf it a lot of nights. Even now, right? You you can't tell me a team with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, who's probably easily still a top three player in the league. By the way, you could argue Curry and Durant are top three players in the league. And they'll just last night. I I looked at the score. They were getting smoked by Boston by twenty points at halftime. Okay. There's no reason a team with Curry, Thompson, and Durant should be losing to 20 by anybody at any point in time in any game. But it actually happens pretty frequently. And the biggest reason is what to what to what I said earlier is that the product is oversaturated and it's too long. So in other words, when you let 16 out of 30 NBA teams make the playoffs, that's more than half. Okay. It's eight in the west and eight in the east. That's 16 total, 14 don't make it. So with more than half the teams getting in, you really don't need to do that much to make it. You just basically don't got to suck. And when you have 82 games, that's a lot of time to make up if you're playing bad for stretches or whatever. So what happens with that is it's a trickle-down effect. I got my eight-year-old and four-year-old upstairs sleeping. My four-year-old could give a crap about sports, yet my eight-year-old, not as much more than her. But let's say he is a Steph Curry fan or a Kevin Durant fan or whatever. And um, those guys, let's just say, for instance, I, I live in Milwaukee where the Bucks are. And Giannis is their star player, right? But the Warriors are coming to town. And I pay, I don't know, 250 bucks for a pair of tickets to go to the game that night. Well... I could show up with my kid and 10 minutes before tip-off, they announced, guess what? Steph Curry's out with a hamstring injury tonight. That stuff happens in the NBA all the time. These guys play when they want and they show up when they want. And a big reason for that is it doesn't matter if they miss a game or two and the team loses a game or two because they're probably still going to make the playoffs anyway. And what that does is it creates – Bad play. Okay. There's not compelling games out there. So, the whole point of me telling you all this is if you shorten the season to about 50 games and you also made it to where the field of who got in was smaller, the games would be more important. And these guys would be fighting like dogs every night when they're out there playing because of the importance of the games. Now, that's not going to happen because of the TV and radio contract that the NBA has. But the reason why it needs to is because when you have a season that's 10 months long, okay, nobody is jonesing for your sport. Look at the NFL. 32 teams are in the NFL. You know how many teams make the playoffs? 12. That means 20 don't. So you have 20 out of 32 don't get get in the playoffs. Most teams every year don't make the playoffs. Now, you have other teams like my beloved Niners – They've been in the playoffs three times in the past like 15 years. So, which means they suck for 12 of them. Now, in the NFL, if your team sucks and you don't make the playoffs, your season's four months long. You have September, October, November, December, and then you're out. Then you're sitting there watching someone else's team win the Super Bowl, like Tom Brady or whoever in January. And then the season's over even for them. And you're waiting seven months. You wait all of February, March, April, May, June, July, and August. Now, the NFL keeps you missing them because the season's so short. The other thing they're smart with is that they space out their events, okay? We're about three, four days away from free agency starting. That's Monday, March 13th, about, I'd say, a month and a half after the Super Bowl. We just had the combine this last week. The combine is essentially like football porn for hardcore football guys, right? They go there and they look at these dudes from college in their underwear, and they watch them run the 40, and they watch to see how high they can jump. They look at their muscles, and they see how many reps on 225 they can bench. They see how tall they are, what their weight is, all of that stuff. All these general managers, scouts, coaches, go there and drool over these guys. And then a month and a half later after that, they have the draft, where these guys get picked basically based on how much they weigh, how tall they are and how fast they can run more. So even than what their actual ability is on camera, um, which is to be honest with you, in my opinion should hold more weight than anything. Um, Your actual play on the field and what you did against what competition I've always kind of thought should hold more weight um, than the actual, measurements you have when you're getting weighed in or or running with no pads on and nobody around you it's kind of silly in in some ways but for these kids man it's it's millions of dollars at stake uh, while they're there so after that uh, draft happens then you go to mini camp they take another break then training camp and then they're reporting for that permanently and there's four preseason games and then the regular season starts by that time man when the football kicks off in september you have people just jonesing for it okay you're talking parties at people's houses or bars or wherever fantasy football and gambling i will admit has a ton to do with it also um but you know gambling's evolved so much now that the nba has that too um so does baseball People play fantasy basketball or baseball. I think fantasy baseball is probably second biggest popular thing after fantasy football, but they have a thing called daily fantasy now, which is just, it has my head spinning to be honest, because you have that going on and you can sit there and bet on who's going to do what from multiple sports every single day. And it's just kind of overkill. Um, the main point though I was trying to make is that, is that the NBA – to me is heading down a path that they really need to be kind of careful with because I think that they've stretched the season out to where it's nine, 10 months. And they've also let the players dictate too many things now. Okay. Um, guys shouldn't just be able to just take the night off whenever they feel like it, especially when you're making 20 to $30 million. I mean, Steph Curry's contract, he just signed, um, this last offseason was five years, $200 million. So he's making $40 million a year from the Warriors, another whatever he's making a year from Under Armour. Um, I mean, these guys' shoe contracts are just insane, man. Now, I'm not going to hate on a, uh, any player for getting paid, right? Because if it were me, I'd be taking that check and put it in my bank account too. But I think with that comes the entitlement and control that the owner's in my opinion, have sacrificed and given up too easy. Um, Every guy who gets hurt and is legitimately injured shouldn't play. That's a given, right? You're kind of, you can't really sit there and say, well, you're not playing tonight. I'm not giving you your game check, right? Although I can guarantee your ass, if you did that, you wouldn't have as many guys just taking the night off for whatever reason because I can guarantee you some of these guys are taking the night off because they're hungover from being out um, in between, especially back to backs, is when you see it a lot. The NBA rarely has back to backs, but when they do, and you see a player out that second of a back to back, it's usually because um, they're trying to arrest that guy. But, you know, NBA players, just like me, just like you, just like any other profession, they're human. And when your season's 10 months long, you're practicing and playing games almost every day. It's tiring, one, that travels a lot, two, and three, you're still human and you need to have a release and unwind and whatnot. But they've created this mess, the NBA has, by allowing it um, to be like that. They've made the business to where it's it's supposed to be something where marketed to be almost a nightly thing, where they have these key or marquee matchups almost on a nightly basis. And what happens to the, the consumer like me is I don't need to watch – you know uh, the Celtics play the Sixers tomorrow night because the night after that I could watch the Warriors play the Kings who who, by the way is a really nice uh, young up-and-coming team and I also can see it the night after that with two other teams so it's a product that you don't miss or uh, kind of yearn to, to get because it's always there for you and I think it leaves a little bit of a bad taste in people's mouths when you know on any given night you can turn the tube on or you can show up live and you're not positive that the marquee guy is actually going to show up. And that's not even taken into account that if he does show up, if he's even going to be out there hustling, because that's another thing about that league is gone by the wayside is the defense is almost non-existent. Um. So anyway, that was kind of my whole thing on that. I think LeBron James is, like I said, a top five player ever. But I think the era he's played in and the way the game sits and is now with a lot of the factors surrounding him have kind of hurt his legacy to a degree of, you know, the people like me in a certain age group, it's going to be hard even if you're open-minded to say LeBron James is a better player than Michael Jordan, right? Or even Kobe Bryant, for that matter. It just is kind of silly, in my opinion, when you look at the the stark difference in the competition and the way the game is. That's also a fair point to say it's hard to point out errors as well. So, um, I, at the same time, you know, like I said earlier, want to give the guy credit because... He's a a man amongst boys, you know, a few years ago when the Warriors uh, beat the Cavs that first year when Kyrie Irving got hurt. And I think James averaged like a triple double, like 40, 10 and 12 or something over the five or six games. I mean, you're talking like this, this guy was like a a man with boys out on the court, man. And and that's some pretty damn good players he was out there with too, Curry, Clay Thompson and whatever, even though they lost that series. It kind of just shows you uh, what a freak athlete and and specimen that this guy is, and I think that when he's gone, I think his haters will probably be a little bit more appreciative of uh, what he's brought to the table. But he just doesn't help himself um, with a with a lot of the stuff that goes on too. You know, uh, he's never gotten along with any of his coaches. Uh, the only coach he didn't get fired was Spolster and he tried to run him out of town, but Pat Riley just wasn't having it. Uh, he got David Blatt fired when they were in a, a one seed in the East for Christ's sake. I mean, that, that's, that should be inexcusable. Uh, but that's kind of another Testament to what I've been saying that the, the players run that league. So there's some bunch of other stuff going on right now. Uh, the Phillies just signed Bryce Harper to a, 13-year, $330 million deal, 13 years. I mean, who in the hell signed somebody to a 13-year contract, okay? I don't know what, the, what I'm going to be doing in 13 months from now, let alone 13 years from now, okay? He's only 25 or 6 years old. That still puts him at like 38 or 39. You don't know how he's going to be in 6 years, let alone 13 years. And in baseball, like basketball, the money's guaranteed. It's just uh, remarkable. I mean, it really is what athletes nowadays get paid um, to play a kid's game. And at the end of the day, people can say, oh, well, look at all the money that goes into it, this and that. I understand that. The players deserve to be paid a lot of money because they're the ones bringing the eyeballs, they're the ones putting the butts in the seats. However, it still is a game they love to play. And When you see stuff like that, the problem is is teams setting the precedent by caving in to these agents' demands, and it makes it impossible for the other ones to compete unless they kind of do the same on some level. That's why I've kind of always thought that the salary cap model that the NBA has um, is really, really something um, that's good along with the NFL is the NBA, what they're missing is the ability to franchise tag players like the NFL does. That's what they really need. Baseball, there's none of that. So any team can spend whatever they want, right? There's no cap. But you have teams that are in big markets like Boston and New York, uh, even the Giants here in the Bay Area. They have a little bit more unlimited resources because their TV and radio contracts are so much bigger than small market teams. Philadelphia is another huge sports town, and that's why they can afford to pay a guy like Bryce Harper. The point I was trying to make, though, is that it's just astonishing that you can sign a guy for 13 years. It's just, it's like, it's something that's just crazy. And I would rather uh, go get a few middle of the road players or whatever I had to do to try to compete on some level. Uh, you know, have, make sure I got top notch manager and assistant coaching and try to just scout the best I could and build my team another way than do it, than committing money and time like that to somebody. Um, But baseball's right around the corner. Uh, Spring training just started. I think that, you know, baseball is fine. I think it's, it's the game's good. I, I think that, what you're seeing with a lot of these sports now is they're trying to transition into um, becoming 2019. And what I mean by that is everybody's on their cell phone. Kids even have cell phones. Now Um, the millennial era is one of kind of impatience and technology and a combination of both, right? Somebody's bored after five minutes, if you don't got any action going on and to most people, Uh, from a certain age demographic, I I don't know the exact age to put it at, but they find baseball relatively boring. And a big reason for that is, is baseball is kind of um, a thinking man's game. It's a a little bit of a slower sport. It's about strategy and other stuff. And that's just kind of not the world we live in now. The world we live in now is, I can go watch, um, you know, some YouTube videos of, you know, some kids jumping off this or that, and all—I mean, you name it—people are out there doing crazy stuff, and it's kind of become like a shock value type world we live in now, where people want to see some type of exciting thing or something that's going to make them laugh or do this or that. And you just—you do not see the same enthusiasm for baseball um, that you did in the '80s and '90s because the game is kind of pretty much stayed the same, which is, it's still a wonderful game. It was probably my first love uh, as a sport, as a kid. But in 2019, it's, it's too slow the way it's ran out. That's why you see them constantly talking about adding new rules. And the pitcher has to throw a pitch by a certain amount of seconds. He can't stand there on the mound and wait and do this or that because they're trying to speed the games up because what they're, why they're doing that is the feedback they're getting is that they're taking too long. So um, I think that baseball, honestly, to me, should be kind of left how it is. I just think that you need to market it a little bit better to the younger generation with different ideas with your advertising and how you're promoting it to them. And I think you would have to kind of get out there and promote it better to the youth as well. Um, the more kids that play baseball when they're younger, the more that they're going to want to keep playing it and watching it as they become teenagers and get in their early 20s and whatever. And I think, you know, youth is everything, whether it's, you know, when I was a kid, when I'm 20, 30, 40, whatever, right? Everything, everybody grows old. No one can stop the age train. But if you want games to um, continue success as time goes on, you have to have something that's attractive to it, to your kid or the kids of the next generation. And what I see a lot of kids out there playing a lot now is soccer, um, has become extremely more popular in America. That's why the MLS, which when it came out in 96, I never thought it would survive, but it has. Um, but it's a big sport amongst kids. Uh, baseball, there's still a lot of kids that play baseball, right? But when they're at the game with mom and dad, they're on their phone or their dad's uh, or their parents' phone or something like that. It's, you know, you should be going to, uh, any game, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, and, and not sitting on your phone, you should be there watching the game and being into the game. So I think these older owners, general managers, Uh, marketing teams of these sports franchises they need to figure out a way to combat the whole technology thing or maybe not combat it maybe somehow incorporate it with the fan experience to where people are are showing up to the parks to watch these events but they're not sitting there playing on their phone the whole time because they're bored and I think A big part of that is the games have to be compelling. That's why I brought that up earlier with basketball. And I think it's a big reason why football is the king. Because most football games you go to, man, they come down to the fourth quarter or the last few plays or whatever. They're competitive. And people like that. People like seeing some suspense in the outcome, not a foregone conclusion or one team getting smoked by the other. And that doesn't matter if it's me and my wife going to a game or a 10-year-old kid or my grandfather who's 92 or whoever. No one wants to go and see it beaten. They want to go there and watch some good competitive sports, especially nowadays too when you're paying so much money to get in the park, parking. It's 10 bucks for a hot dog. It's 15 bucks for a beer. There's uh, all kinds of reasoning why you should be going to these games and having a great time and seeing a competitive product and it's because you're spending all this money to do so and your time. Um that's another actually avenue too but we're going to get into a ton of this stuff uh as the weeks go on. I'm going to definitely be getting my stuff together here probably a little more organized and not bumping around and jumping around on topics as much but um yeah, I think um this could be some real good content going forward and definitely commercial free. So I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening.